for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Merry Christmas, y'all. When it comes to any competition, you all know as well as we do, no matter what it is, it usually is the competitor that makes the fewest mistakes that comes out on top. Well, if you've been listening to this series, our goal has been to talk about our boots on the ground mistakes or misunderstandings that we did ourselves or saw others experience to help you be that one step ahead of the competition and to help you succeed. So in the spirit of Christmas, we have just a few more gifts ready to send your way. Tonight's focus is mistakes and misconceptions with calling, strategies, and gear. So grab up that cup of eggnog, warm up to the campfire, and let's start unwrapping. That discussion, our Elk Bros shout-outs, and questions from our awesome Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk, and they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show. And as always, for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas, and joining me tonight's crew. That's right. We got WWJGD in the house. He's teed up and ready to roll. We got our Elk Bros coach and owner of the Western Contours podcast and Western Fly Covers, the man with the golden voice, Mr. Guy Duplanche is in the Hello, house gentlemen. with us. And from way up north, that's right, we got our brother and elk hunting coach, 
Mr. Travis O'Shea from Canada with us tonight. World champion elk caller and all. And that's right. Another one of our elk broaches, bros coaches has decided to join us tonight from the Dallas DFW area. The Venezuelan mafia guys. Mr. Manano Grataron is in the house. Oh, 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 oh. Christmas and Happy New Year, boys. Oh, no. Oh, boys. Hey, Merry Christmas. Nice to see you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Because uh, yeah. I don't think y'all can hear me, but my daughter said I should pump out some jingle bells when my mouth called but i tried it earlier i don't think y'all heard me man so they got to laughing at me so hard i had jingle bells going and noel when my mouth called you know you gotta go, yeah. up, to the, go up to the top gill and change that sitting uh setting original sound for musicians yeah yeah oh, you gotta yeah, change that, sure. that setting. <laughs> yeah. now we're going to hear the big old rendition of what jingle bells jingle, jingle bells, bells. Ready? Be a diaphragm yeah. <laughs> that was more turkey call than elk call, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that going on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that had them all going up to there, man. That's funny. So that Travis, sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Travis, finally, welcome back, man. We haven't seen yeah. you in a while here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Trav. <laughs> Trav, I thought they back. had pissed you off when you were in Can when they were in Canada because I ain't seen you in so long. We did. They <laughs> did. They took they me on a hike and I finally found my way back from the hike they took me on. There you go. <laughs> you, you were following Joe, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God yeah, knows. Exactly. <laughs> no, uh, so I got to ask you, man, because like I was going to send you like a happy Thanksgiving and I was like, oh man, I think their Thanksgiving is like in October or something, right? Uh, we're, when is Thanksgiving? I don't know. November. I don't even know when it is here. <laughs> November 11th is Remembered Day, and Thanksgiving is, I don't even know. <laughs> well, see, when, that's, how, that's how we know it's not a Canadian <laughs> holiday right there, man. Yeah. Right? Well, I think we're always like a day or two ahead of you guys. And we have turkey, so. <laughs> right? We <get> turkey. <laughs> they just ring the bell, and when food's there, I come running. Hell yeah. <laughs> what about christmas everything the same with that right yeah 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 that's still january okay yeah no uh, <laughs> got, got stuck on that one for a second <laughs> i got you <laughs> yeah no that's goodness man. it's all the same yeah and man you and gotta get the missus to come down on a show with us dude i'm yeah. telling you she's a riot man yeah, I had to... so I, I, uh, Travis's wife. I had so much fun with her, man. She's such a trip, man. Well, the only thing, yeah. is if she comes, if she comes on with us, I'm gonna have to stay here for a, an hour like this. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. She'll just keep. She'll just keep wanting to take pictures of Manano. You know? <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. The, the, the star. The star. So for those <laughs> for those that are curious, Canadian Thanksgiving is October 9th. October. Oh, wow. okay. okay. Good. 
October. Oh, he didn't even. He was like Thanksgiving. So I was like, I Thanksgiving. Know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I We've talked so much about that hunt in the last few podcasts, uh, Travis and and your boys and stuff like that. Uh, again, yeah. I, you know, I'll be I'll be out of line. We're not thanking you guys for the hospitality that you showed us. It was an amazing trip, one that I'll cherish forever. I learned a tremendous amount. I got to spend time with you. You helped me so much on my call and uh you know just a little bit of time that we spent together is meant, yeah. meant the world and it was all so, downhill from there yeah That's no where it, ended. <laughs> yeah, it was uh i learned a lot that that and rc and i both did i mean getting to hunt with dylan and and uh mr Hagler, i mean it was crazy good yeah. you know brian's a, they're just great people and oh yeah and they were down to learn you know it was like uh, you know we were down to learn they were down to learn and it was it was just a lot of fun man yeah and we happen. learned a lot that trip some you know got so close so many times and oh yeah um, i'll never you know going into our content here that i don't want to give too much away but i'll never forget one of the things you told me you said you know, that bull is starting to figure you guys out. So you need to go in there and do something different. And you had mm -hmm. us put on a calf party and that bull just after it took 45 minutes for that to erupt. Yeah. But once it did, I mean, it, it took really literally 45 minutes and Dylan and I were like, this ain't going to work, man. And then one last little calf note in the bull goes, yeah. And that let, that let RC and Brian know right where those bulls were. So like, again, man, you know, the miscues that we had were, some of them were self-inflicted and some of them weren't. Some of them were just, those oh, yeah. animals wasn't their day to die, you know? Yeah, that's right. Learned so much there. So can't thank you enough. Can't wait to come back. Yeah. Oh yeah. You guys are welcome anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah. I tell you, the next time I go back, man, it's going to be like uh, um, October and focusing on them friggin' moose man because that's mm. after that was so fun stalking them yeah moose, talking dude. those boogers and getting that close to them and as big as they are man oh my god oh yeah and it's unbelievable yeah i didn't know giant. you know you see them on tv but tv doesn't do them justice to you standing in front of them oh yeah no. Oh my God, they're, they're as big as a bus. You know, I mean, oh my gosh, they're literally as big as a Ford Ranger. They're humongous, yeah. you know. They are huge. And you, and you don't know when you call to him, is he going to come in and be all right or is he going to attack you? Right? Yeah, is he going to be gnarly? They're, yeah, they got their own attitude. I can right? run on so. the other side of a tree real quick, but. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're big, but they're fast, man. They're, yeah. it's Agile. unbelievable. You yeah. Know, People are like that. They they big animals like a buffalo, like bison. You know, have bison on the ranch. A lot of people get around them and they think that those because they're so big and they're so calm, they think that you know it's a slow animal. And yeah, are flipping them up about fifteen foot in the air. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been yeah. around enough slow elk bulls and stuff like that in my days working cows that you you come to have a healthy amount of respect for even a cow you know a bovine oh, cattle. Yeah. i mean they're they're very slick especially those bulls they're agile and man they they got a little ornery and they get a little mean streak in them and they'll just flat grind you into the dirt you know it's like, yeah. so, like messing with beto he got only one speed wheel he will get you yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if i got to if i yeah. got to that's for oh, sure. hey, oh, oh. yeah Duplanche, didn't you have like a, a Christmas gift? Or I think it had something to do with a special 
rhyming carol or something like that from Anano? Yeah, sorry, man. I was sitting here reading about uh, Canadian me? Thanksgiving. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah. this uh, this is a gift for all of our listeners. I think I think uh, Duplanche found this just as a as a. It, it doesn't sound. I tried doing it. It didn't sound as good, man. So Can we need to yeah. voice right here, right here, Manano. Yeah, right there, no, Manano. You get three shots sorry. at it. I you got to go faster each time. No, man, no, no. I don't, I'm not able to read it. Beto, can you do it? Which one? The, the one a, okay, the don't one make the me, rainbow. The one don't make the me rainbow. share. Oh, there's yeah, the rainbow back for you, Nano. Uh, no, come on, Manano. No, man, no, I forgot my glasses, bro. Oh, you spoke up. Beto, you can do it, bro. I'll try it, man. <laughs> yeah, but do it I'll faster. try it for sure. It's, uh, it's just hilarious, man. It's got the fruits of the rainbow in it but it says betty Botter bought some butter but she said the butter's bitter if i put it in my batter will it make my batter bitter but a bit of better butter will make my batter better <laughs> come on manano give it a crack you were doing better than gil you'll do better than gil man i'm over blind bro i forgot my glasses here's the old man manano betty Botter bought some butter but she said the butter's bitter if i had it in my batter it will make my batter <laughs> Let's hear it, man. Come on, Come on. I know. Betty Butter bought some butter, but she said the butter beater is If I put it in butter, it would make my butter beater. But a bit of butter would make my butter there it is. <laughs> there you go. Gotta go, out of boy, Manana. <clears throat> Manana, you gotta practice it. We'll hit it after oh, the man. new year. Good job, man. That was That's awesome. Man. That's good yeah. stuff, guy. Yeah, yeah. We, we need to get like five different ones of those for all of us, and 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 yeah. maybe. Uh, have you ever watched Drunk History, y'all? Have you ever seen that before? <laughs> no, but I've just seen some this? stuff on Instagram. Yeah, but tough, yeah. go, go on YouTube, look up Drunk History, and what they mm. do is they get these people that know history, and they sit there and they have them do some drinks before they start telling the history. <laughs> and let me tell you what, it is hilarious. All right, huh? It's so funny, bro. crazy. So, and that's how they change history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guys, let's get this party started and head over to the Elk Bros mailbox. Yes, sir. I will start out with Kevin Orcutt from Union Grove, Wisconsin. He says, he says, hey guys, I've been devouring your podcast. In 2022, I went solo bow hunting, and in 2023, I went bow hunting with my cousin in Colorado. I had. Hunted three times prior with the gun, but 2022 was my first bow hunt. Last year and this year, I stock hunted. I stock hunted until I found elk sign. Then I set up and started a call sequence for 45 minutes with no responses or no elk coming in. But on multiple occasions, I either bumped elk within 150 yards of my setup as we continued to stock, or we saw a fresh sign showing them running out of dodge. I assume we spooked them before setting up. I think my calling is okay. Do you have any suggestion on how to keep elk in the area or pull the close ones in? Thanks. Oh man, it, it went crick, crick, crick. No, I mean- I, I was looking, I was looking cause I wanted to see what time of the season um, yeah. he was going in, right? I mean, they're, they're gonna I mean, respond differently. Enough. 
Um, and depending on the area and the pressure you're getting in, what those, you know, what those elk have seen prior to you getting in there has some bearing on that. You know, this year, a lot of times it didn't even matter um, the time of season, man. There, That's true. We, we had a lot mm -hmm. of silent uh, elk at different times. I mean, elk that would, well, that them, would sound off in the morning, but. Go them bookum elk, though, they, they've usually had some bad encounters with us um when they start to just run from any sound and then what was the wind doing right did you truly have the wind in your favor mm. um you know those mountain those mountain thermals, thermals and everything else man yeah. um it, it has uh definitely has an effect right and the topography you're in can have an effect you may think you had the wind at your you know at your advantage and uh, lo and behold it's swirling right to them so, so think about where yeah. they're set up i mean if you're walking into a bedding area um, that wind, they're in that bedding area, you know, because the wind's typically in their favor from most directions. Yeah. And the only thing I can add to that, too, is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he said he was calling for 45. And then then oh, they went so. up to, yeah, then they went to move and they bumped him at 150 yards. So I'm thinking those elk were probably coming in silent already. Yeah. But he just didn't give it quite long enough. I mean. It's really hard to know. Do you stay 45 or do you stay an hour or do you stay an hour and a half, right? Yeah, but, and what his setup looked like. Did he have a hang-up spot 150 yards out? No such know? thing as a hang-up spot. These are all, mm -hmm. yeah, it, definitely some good question because, yeah, you know, when you're set up, um, if you're set up in a place where there's a lot of vision, you know, and those animals are expecting to see something in an area, that could hang them up. If there's two of you, you know, one way to kind of deal with some of that is, is, and I don't know if they did it or not, but, you know, partner call with one person up and one person yeah. back, right. you know, so that, you know, if, if they were pulling at 150 yards and you start going back 50 from, especially if it's an open area, you mm -hmm. go back 50, 60, where you can still see the other shooter there and you do the calling. Well, now you have an opportunity to pull that bull a little bit further and to see if something goes on and be able to view each other. But I agree with, uh, so many good things in right there, but I, I agree totally, you know, with, with Travis about sometimes it's not enough time. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, I, honestly, I, we got to give Kevin some credit for setting minutes. up on his first yeah. elk hunt and being able mm -hmm. to hang in there for 45 Absolutely. minutes on any sequence. Well, is, yeah. Uh, and the technique he used of finding, <clears throat> you know, of, st of stock hunting, yeah. finding yeah. the sign. You know, and then making a sequence. And, and I, yeah, and then, you know, making yeah. calls. And now, he might have actually blown out elk. He might have gotten too close, and they saw him before he saw them. Uh, another thing, Joe, is I'd like Kevin to do some calls and send you a recording and let some, let, listen to yourself recorded, right? Because right. what sounds good to you may not be some good elk sounds, right? And I'm not bagging on anybody. No, no, at not the at end all. Of the day, at the end of the day, we hear what we want to hear, and when you put it on recordings, you, you can, you and anybody else that's a, a, uh, experienced caller can listen to it and go, Ooh, uh, okay. what did every one of our guys in camp say this year? They yeah. said, I thought I sounded good. Yeah. Right? Sing like Mariah mm -hmm. Carey. Yeah. Yeah. You do what guy? Sing like Mariah Carey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mariah yeah. Carey. Yeah. Instead, I mean, it sounded like they were biting off their, uh, uh mm -hmm. finger. Yeah. So the other thing is too, is I don't know, like, um, Kevin, I don't know if you were throwing your calls forward, uh, yeah, if you were throwing your calls backwards, you know. I even know some guys that are using the back tubes that they'll aim it down and, and call into the ground to diffuse it some. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. and it, 
it it could be his level of aggression mm -hmm. um or how intense he was right off the bat with the call and right and not kind yeah, of playing up to the scenario yeah there's there's so yeah. many variables in yeah. that I, I would love and, to have more detail to kind of understand it and walk through it yeah 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 and guy you hit it right off the start you said what time of year was it and right. i'm assuming i'm thinking it's like the first couple of days of bow season that's what i'm thinking mm -hmm. so and that would lead to pretty silent elk anyhow right so mm -hmm. it's kind of a catch-22 you're fight you're fighting a you're fighting it a little bit because the elk aren't talking and you're trying to make them do something yep I totally liked your strategy, bud, man. I like the yeah. idea that you got out there. I like the idea that you found sign. I like the yep. idea that you put now. I don't know what kind of scenario you did. That's another thing. So we're missing a lot of information. Yeah, here. You know, if it was a scenario that, you know, you started cow calling, maybe you were doing some raking in there and then maybe you started doing something that caused that bull, you know, if you started sounding like a bull that he didn't want to get involved in that kept that bull off right there. So, um, what I would tell you, too, is depending on what you're doing, we actually can use like a retreating cow, like a cow pickle, sometimes we call it. So if you guys were actually calling together as, as a team that, and you were right close, that one of the callers actually starts heading away um, to the downwind side, because that's the one side you're not going to have to worry about, and see if you can actually pull animals with you. Because sometimes those animals, especially if you were giving bull sounds, they're not sure, they're listening, they're staying out there, and then as you start to retreat, you know, they'll kind of follow along in the wake, hoping that they can get a scent check, and, you know, so that's yeah. just, yeah, that's just an idea that you could use there as well. And what Joe's saying there is, leave the shooter up there yes. well yes. the one guy retreats right and then the, don't say any once you're the shooter don't say anything just yeah. be the shooter period yeah yeah shooter kevin if yeah. you if you ride back in and give us the scenario the full scenario you know paint a bit uh yeah, a we'll bigger picture again. for us yeah we could hit that again yeah, i would love to right because there's so much that can come out of that but yeah. then you know as you if you don't do that but as you're thinking about it look for the commonalities in those situations where it was what did we do what was what was the response right and look for the commonality and maybe you didn't realize you were making the same mistake um but chances are that that yeah. you know has something to do with it too so yeah and the boys can tell you from coming up to hunt with me in alberta that's my style right there you go into an area call for 45 minutes to an hour hour and a half bump ahead another 150 200 and then do it all over again so i like your strategy that's kind of what i do when i'm yep. doing a lot of solo stuff but if we could know the time of year, if we could know time of day, mm -hmm. um, uh, if we could uh, know what kind of scenario you were putting on, um, what direction you were calling, um, if you guys were calling apart from each other, uh, just um, if if the wind was a factor, if you actually set up, what your setup looked like, what the terrain, you can hear all these variables, right? <laughs> so that's why when people give us scenarios, you got to remember that we actually see that scenario and connect it with where we are because that's our reality. So, you know, we can already think that it's either, you know, low pine or, or it's scrub oak or something like that. So we want to know what, what it actually looked like for you. And those types of things will help us talk about that as well. All right. Okay. Next we got, uh, Terry Steeler out of Michigan. Uh, first, thank you all for all your input. Uh, you put out there. I hear you talk about being aggressive and closing the distance once you get a response. 
but it seems that every time I close, I lose direction of where I got my last response. And I'm worried about going in the wrong direction and ending up in the wrong spot. Or I have, I have to just stand and wait till I hear him again. And by that time, the bull is further away. Do you guys have any tips to help me with that? That is such a good question, man. That's a good one. That is really good. Because that's something that everybody, so many people go through when they get a response, Mm -hmm. right? You know, because I I can't tell you how many times. I'm Gil. How many times have we been going, man? We had a bull and we're moving, we're moving. All of a sudden it's like, okay, we got to stop and get a direction on where he's at now, right? So we're either now having to throw out another location trying to get him to sound off so that we can get our direction right or you just having to wait until he sounds off again like the guy's saying man but um we have started i've started using some different tools i'll tell you some some of the things that i do right as soon as i hear a bull sound off i always keep a compass in my pocket just one of them small turnable compasses, small plastic one. As soon as that bull sounds off, I bring it out and I get a bearing on the direction, okay? Um, I'll also pull out my onyx, and if I think that, and I'll turn my onyx in the direction where that bull is to take a look, because you have you have tools on there that'll let you turn and point in a direction. Yep. And from what I hear, I will kind of get an idea how far he is, and I can actually look at that and kind of get an idea where he's at on my onyx as I'm going to make an approach. And I can actually put something down on that as well. Uh, actually, actually the Joe, there, is a, there is a tool on onyx just to pinpoint the distance where yep. you hear the last sound yeah, and then you can whoa, measure whoa. Yes, Manano is 110% right. But Joe said it, Manano, I thought was about to say it. Time in the field, nuances in that call in terms of high, mids, and your lows are going to determine how far that bull is off and then what direction. The topography is going to matter, right? So I don't think there's Mm -hmm. any replacing those blown situations, unfortunately, especially if he's not responding and learning what that bull sounds like at distance. That is, that is a huge challenge, huge challenge to a lot of guys. I, I always try to keep my, uh, my, to, to, you know, go like this when I hear something that way I can pinpoint better. You don't get confused. Ken, you're one of the best I've ever seen doing it. So Manano, how, how, how did you start to, judge the distance of a call when you heard it how how did it's, that click for you man it's it's hard to describe it but uh followed the pain of the of the of the how intense was the sound so i can i don't know man i can i don't know how to describe it but i'm, I'm 100 percent sure that the uh the the sound is coming this way if i'm going like you know with my hands and my ear my ears i can pinpoint better the sound but i don't know how to uh explain how i judge the well, uh, the distance i think so, it's a little bit of experience you yeah, know. And that's yes, what happened. I, mean, I mean from the first time that he ever started hunting with me because of my ears i would tell ask them how far so they were having to judge a little bit at that time and yes, then sure. you start to learn after you make a judgment you're like um 200, 300 that way. And then you go out in 150 and you bump and it's like, oh, that's not a 200, 300. Right. That's a 150, yeah, right? I, I mm-hmm. guess it's yeah. A, you know, like 
it's an error in yeah i can tell you this you know depend like guy said depending on the weather and everything of wind blowing like crazy if you if the weather's windy and stuff like that and they sound like they're right on top of you they're really close another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, uh, well, if the wind's blowing away and they and you can hear right. it. It can sound way further away. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, and and also if you're in a real high barometric pressure situation on a high pressure day, you're not going to hear them as well as you would when that sound carries on top of you, right? Pressure. I mean, yeah. and and I mean, if you're getting that that low end, if you're hearing a lot of low end, if you're hearing a lot of air, yes. you're you're close. in the red zone. Try to hear as well. Uh, uh, try to hear them walking. If you hear them walking, they're within 50, 80 yards. I would say 58 to 80 yards. Yeah. They they make they make noise, a lot of noise going through the woods. <laughs> yeah. So I can hear them walking, literally. So, yeah, I would say you, you have you have to, you know, well, I want to be real them. honest with everybody. Manano's got ears. I mean, he can hear a mouse piss on cotton from a thousand yards. So <laughs> it's crazy yeah, yeah. how good his ears are, right? Oh, yeah. But it's an acquired thing. I think Manano spent a lot of times in the woods, not just hunting, you know, elk, but pigs and hogs and deer and everything else that he hunted when he was a kid and you get keyed in on those subtle nuances and you live around jaguars bro you learn yeah. 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 you know what yeah. a jaguar sounds like and you so. have to run to save your dogs yeah. if you're hunting jaguars yeah yeah but yeah. but i yeah. i want to make sure i'm clear on that hint is that like i said if you get a direction because what's going to happen as you start approach because of lay of land rocks trees boulders you're going to start going around things and you turn your body and you turn and it's real easy to lose the direction that you actually I mark yeah. i mark a tree within 50 yards and i might mark the tree and start marching then you know my straight lines yeah yeah and, but after and that... I, I, and I always try to do if i have for example, if I have my, the sun on my back, I go to the to the to the shadow. To the shadow, right? So it's pointing this right. direction. I try to follow. Yep, and that, that's one yeah. of the tools that. And I think I I showed you guys that when we were in the woods that you can look at the ground and you can yeah. see mm -hmm. what direction and how you're going through and where that animal is according to how those shadows are. Yeah. And you just take that angle according to those shadows. And the other thing I like to do is count my steps. Like if I think he's 200 yards away, I'll start counting my steps as I'm moving forward. You know, just to I love the new tools though, Joe, that we have with Onyx where we can depict that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he's 250 out. Yeah. We draw the line, boom, hit the spot well, and start our a, mark. It's a, it's a game changer, bro. It really is. It, Put a waypoint where you think he's at. You say go to that waypoint. No matter where you're at, it's going to take you to it, right? So the other part, of, the yeah. other part of his question is really interesting, and it's one that we've all had when we get a bull to sound off, and then we close the distance, and now he's even further. So the whole time that bull was headed to a destination, right? Right. Ninety percent of the time, yeah. he may have some cows, or he's headed to his bed, and when that happens, man. 
good luck catching him, you know, especially if he's going up. So, you know, you got to know that too. Is he going up to a destination? You know, what's your wind? You know, what time of day it is? What's the thermals going to be doing? If those thermals are rising and he's above you, it'd be real hard to get on his level without blowing him up, you know? So you got to really make those decisions and bulls that are moving away from you. I, you know, it's been my experience that one out of 10, you might be able to stop. Stop but, and not turn around. Right, just, right. You may stop, stop him. You ain't yeah, turning that bad boy around. So yeah. There, there's some things that you can do to actually slow his cows down. Yep. Um, and, and while you're hauling butt and not worrying about that bull, understand that if you hear a bull that is at a different distance as you're moving, he's got cows up ahead of him. Yeah. He's on the back end of what's going on. Yeah. So I wouldn't so much worry about that as getting off on a parallel as much and just getting up. And if that means that, let's say that you're in just a little bit of slight drainage and there's a, a ridge top over here on your left-hand side and they're on the right, man, get over to that ridge where it's going to be easier to move. It's going to get you up there to the top sooner. Find the path of least resistance because everything gets smaller at the top and just race them boogers going up the mountain because you also now, if you get in that position a little bit higher, as those thermals are doing and, the, and you're on the downwind side, you're gonna be where you don't have to worry about your scent getting to them and you're gonna be able to hear them a little easier unless they drop off onto another side in a drainage and then you just work that. But if you're going to get where they are during their midday, you have to move and you can't worry about staying behind that bull because that bull is just going to keep moving. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah you and I, the, you and I did it, Joe. I mean, yeah. I, 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 we actually got, I can't believe it, but big O and Joe, Joe was going to get there regardless, but I can't believe we got it done. We had to cross about 400 yards of field in a trenos down in the bottom of this trenos yeah. so the elk wouldn't see us we get all the way across the elk are actually moving up to the right side of this ridge and we take the downwind side and hook around them and we actually beat the bull to the top and called his cows off of that bull and that's what pulled the bull to us but we were probably I don't know, 200 yards from him when we got around the top of him. And I would have never thought we beat him. Actually, we didn't. He came back down to us because we called his cows off of him. And uh, that's that was crazy to watch that happen and us get parallel side of him. And he actually got just above us, but we were on that downwind side. And Joe kept calling towards his cows and made it sound like there was another bull in there and those cows pulled towards us and he was not having it, man. He, and he very, he didn't say two, two peeps really until he come, came in there on us and just kind of big grunted like that. And when he was coming in and I needed about three feet and we killed the biggest bull I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. You know, and and I mean, the way you, and I, I did that with the bull with the herd that I followed that I killed. I don't know. It was 20, 21, 20. I yeah. Think. Yeah, I remember that. I, I was bugling as I was going and had nothing to do with the bull. All I was trying to do is let those cows know that there was a bigger bull in the area and try to get their interest, slow them down a little bit, and just throw some little chirps out as I was going too so that they knew the other cows that, that were in that group there and just hope yeah, to slow them down so I could get a move on them. And it happened yeah. to work that time. That's the year you yeah. had Luis with you. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, yeah. he, uh, I think he videoed most of that. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, pretty cool. Good time, man. 
Hey, Gil, yeah, what the hell thing, is a trinos, bro? Yeah. <laughs> trinos is like a little, uh, it's not a creek. It could be, a, but it's mostly a dry creek. But it's like a little <clears throat> crevice in the earth and or a creek channel in, in the coon in the coonasses that are my buddies from the east over there in louisiana <laughs> they call them tranosses and uh my late friend tony casenza god rest his soul he used to use that term all the time and he'd say we found them fish in a little tranos coming off that creek channel over there and and it just stuck with me and so we used it when we were deer hunting or elk hunting and a tranos is just a drainage a kind small, like a, thin drainage. You kind know? of like a coolie. Yeah. Yeah, like a coolie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like a right. coolie. I can't. Yeah. I was look. I was trying to look it up because I'm like, man, he says this shit all the time, and I don't know <laughs> what the word <laughs> is. I got Celtic mythology and all kind of crap come up. <laughs> no, that's yeah. uh, that's straight red bone out of Louisiana, baby. <laughs> right. Siri, what is a trinos? Hey, brother, I'm red bone. <laughs> I ain't never heard of a trinos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here it is. Hey, guys, a uh, man-made. Co- cut uh, through used to navigate the marsh to get to a favorite fishing or hunting spot. Oh, so we ain't never seen a Trinosh in the mountains, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> the honey hole to many sportsmen of South Louisiana. Yes, sir. And we got more geography out of Gill in learning the definition of Trinos. That, that's How about right. that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, move us on, man. Oh, guys. Uh, well, you know what time it is. It's time for the Elk Bros. Shout out. If you're new to our show, there's just a shout out to the followers and a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week, Joe. Hey, and look, man, the first two places, it was so cool. This has happened once before. Yep. Came from our brothers and sisters up north, man. So I think it's really fitting, <clears throat> Travis, that you start us out with this, man. Okay, so this top listening city coming from our brothers and sisters north of the border up in that Canada. That doesn't apply to <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, on the same lot. side of the border. Yeah, yeah, yeah on, on my side. <laughs> Anyways, um, it's named after a Roman Catholic missionary, missionary in 1867. Uh, it was an important, prosperous agricultural stopping point between Edmonton and Calgary. And then everything changed when oil was was discovered in 1947, changing Alberta from an agricultural province to an urban economy dominated by the oil and gas industry. This area, also known as the heart of Canada's Canada's economic engine, Leduc, Alberta. Leduc, Alberta. Leduc. Agriculture there is such a beautiful place there in Alberta. Yeah. Oh, in Alberta, it's like one of the richest provinces in Canada, but it has roads of of the other province. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, our our back roads are better than our highways. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) It's brutal. Uh, How can I expect? Okay, Uh, this Canadian city was originally named Westminster Junction, but later changed to honor the native tribe that originally lived there. The new native name translates to Redfish of the River. The city is located on the nature's doorstep with endless opportunities for outdoors adventures, like hiking, fishing, hunting, biking, snowing, and much, much more. This is going for Coquitlam, British Columbia. 
Columbia, Coquitlam, Canada, BC. Coquitlam, did I get it right? Brothers to the east, huh? To the west. Yeah, oh, to west. the west. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Beautiful uh, there. Absolutely oh, beautiful. Oh, first of all, I, I just want to say thank you to all of those in Canada that have been listening and been supporting yes. us. And if you get a chance, man, since you're up there on that side, if you guys hear about our grinder and our sugar, that man right there, Travis O'Shea, makes those. Wapiti River Outdoors calls are some of the mm. best calls that there are. Um, that's why that uh, we work with Travis O'Shea. So you've got a great place right there to be able to get some calls. Look at that, man. He's giving, yeah. There we go. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. But thank you, guys, man. Honestly. He's in the dungeon right now where it's the magic happens, too. This baby. is where it happens, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sure. yeah it's so- Gil, only, only you and Joe have been here, too. And you know what's true, true is, is I kept telling him is like, I see this camera view of the dungeon like this, man. And I was like, yeah. oh, man, this looks like this great, you know, man cave and everything. And you get down yeah. here, man, and this dude putting work in down there. It's a dungeon. Definitely. Definitely. There's a, lots of work going on down there. A lot there. of work yeah. on there, man. Well, this next town, originally a fur trading post, is located on the Delta, where the Uncompagre uh, Uncompagre River flows into the Gunnison River. It's part of the Colorado Western Slope, a scenic must-stop for outdoor enthusiasts in the Black Canyon of Gunnison National Park and the 2,900-foot gorge carved out by the Snaking Gunnison River in Delta, Colorado. Delta, Colorado in the house. Yeah. Colorado. So, so Joe actually uh, tried to um, enunciate the word for you, and you still... Did it uh, did it pretty bad? So Manano did get a little guff. An incomp, yeah. Sounds like compadre. Compadre. Like compadre. Compadre. Yeah. Compadre. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This northmost Ohio village uh, has a series of waterfalls in the center of town. At historic old buildings, including one of the oldest community theaters in the United States, and this village is a great destination. It's also home to Tim Conway of the McHale's Navy fame. Hold on, bro. Yeah, Cal Burnett. Hold on. Hold on. What? McHale's Navy fame? How old do you think your demographic is that's <laughs> listening to this? Because people are going to be like, well, it's McHale's Navy. <laughs> okay, so, bro, you've got to remember that Leroy Chavis yeah, yeah. Right, it <laughs> out, man. <laughs> Tim Conway, okay. Tim Conway of McHale's Navy fame and home to Pot Pie, the comic strip and cartoonist Bella Bill Zaholi, Chagrin Falls, Ohio. Chagrin Falls, Ohio. Chagrin Falls, Ohio. Yeah. So I got Popeye. I, I recognize Popeye. <laughs> who the heck is Bill Zaholi? <laughs> He's the Most cartoonist. He's the one that makes Popeye. the Popeye comics. Okay, there you go. See, I'm, I'm just saying, man. Yeah. yeah. And and man, if you guys McHale's have Navy not seen M- McHale's Navy, you have good, just good a show. classic, man. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Travis. Manano. Any idea on the McHale's Navy? I'm too young, bro. Look it up. Have any of you guys heard the name Carol Burnett? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Tim Conway was one of the mainstays of the Carol Burnett show and incredible comedian. Oh, yeah. Mm. Hilarious. Yeah. Wasn't 
wasn't he part of that guy that did like that Dorfon golf, the little guy that was yes. like the little, yes. did the little, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah he barely shuffled thought. his feet and everything, man. Yeah. Wild, yeah. 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 There's okay. incredible comedy that those people did, man. So, Dude. yeah. Man. Hey, do it. Come on. Come on, man. Where, where are you, guy? Let's go, guy. What's You're up next, guy? Here, man. I was looking at Mikhail's Navy, bro. <laughs> we got him all this Get game, up. Joe. <laughs> oh, boy. Mikhail's Navy. <laughs> Main content. <laughs> I love, love it, it man. <laughs> Time to wrap up the 2023 season, fellas. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I don't think you guys are going to hear us again until after New Year's. You might hear some other episodes we've got on the docket, but um, us being together, you won't hear us until after New Year's. So what we want to do, man, is we're going to close out on this. We're going to drill down for you guys on specific areas that we saw some things, some failure points or some misinformation um, or uh, mishaps uh, in these areas in calling strategies and gear. So that's going to be the focus areas that we're going to do. And and calling is going to be first up. And the reason it's going to be first up is I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you that calling should be your top priority of what to work and to get down. And the reason I tell you that is, is because no matter what I say, it's kind of like um, basketball players, right? If I work on my basketball players defense, I never have to worry about their three point shooting because anytime they get a ball, they go out and they shoot three point shots, right? But they don't go out and work on defensive stance, on defensive move, on footwork, and so you have to work on that. And because it's so critical to winning. Now, if I tell you your number one priority is learning how to call elk, I'm not worried about your shooting, right? Because I know that yeah. that's what you're going to want to do. You're going to be doing that. I don't have to worry yeah. about uh, you know, a, a lot of other parts to it. I mean, enough of you guys that have taken a look at those mountains and have heard enough, you know you're going to have to be in physical condition. So, you know, there's certain things that are there, right? But if you do not work on your calling, then you are so yeah. in yourself. So I'm just throwing that out there first. And, and look, when we trained our adventure hunters this year. It wasn't enough. I, I every time said, man, if you are not working your calling, you are... <laughs> killing yourselves over and over yeah. again. and i and still you know once they got there the one aspect of everything that they were doing that had to be worked on the most was what y'all calling calling yeah. yeah simple yeah and it's this and it's the simple little stuff like cow sounds and calf sounds mm -hmm. like people don't <laughs> people people want to practice the bugles and all that stuff but you got an you have to nail that first cow mew perfection or you're going to scare everything away and you won't have a chance. So yeah, really work. Yeah. On most of the guys the that came in camp, simple. they could blow the bugle. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. they could make like, you know, a couple of our hunters could really get, I mean, they could really yeah. sound like a big gnarly bull. Right. But 
man, would you know, get them to slow down and try to do a cow or a calf call. It was, yeah. It, I mean, it literally took me, Guy, RC, and uh, Chav two hours to sit down with them and just get them to where they could make a sound that sounded similar to a calf. And they were all yeah. like, oh, yeah, we can make a calf sound. Or a calf and, sound. And, and they were doing I'm a like, lot of huh? right things, but they were doing a lot of wrong manipulations with their mouth and yeah. different things like yeah. that. But, you know, look, we've, we've talked about that just in recent episodes. We've actually yeah. talked about that. So what I want to do is I want to I point out the things that I saw that even if you had your calling down, right, um, because a lot of people – can do a basic cow call and they can do a basic bugle, right? Yeah. What I saw was a huge, especially when, you know, you're in there in a part of the season when those elk are silent and even in other parts of the season when you expect them not to be silent and they are, that where a lot of guys struggled was in scenarios, man. Um, so when we talk about a scenario, for any of you guys that are just listening right now, a scenario is basically doing a setup where you are putting particular calls. That you take a palette of different types of calls, and with that palette, you paint a picture of elk doing elk things, whether it's you know a cow with a calf, whether it's a type of breeding sequence where a bull has some cows there, and and you hearing that kind of things going on right there, or no. whether yeah, sir. No, let me let me interrupt you there, but okay. because uh, for first time listeners, how would you use uh the the among all those palettes of scenarios? Right. How do you choose one specific scenario without any? without seeing any sign, without hearing any noise, without making, you know, like any specific plan. You go to the woods, which one do you pick? So right out of, out of bat in the morning. You you have actually hit on a big part of it because when, when I talk about the scenarios, you know, there's a few things. Like when people do scenarios, like we heard earlier, they expect results from that scenario. Um, because they, they saw just something. do it whenever and wherever, like what you're yeah. talking about, Manano. Like, what scenario yeah. do you do? Where do you do it? How do you do it? Right? Just coming out in the morning. Well, you, when you're going out there, there's there's a reason to put on a scenario. You shouldn't just go out there and say, "Oh, we're at the edge of a meadow. Let's put on a scenario." Mm -hmm. That's probably the worst place you can do it because, right. you know. Mm -hmm. yeah, even if you did pull a bull out, you're going to pull a bull into an area where you're not going to have an opportunity at that yeah. animal, right? He's going to stop yeah. up into that park, look for where that yeah. other elk is, expect you to come to him. But first thing in the morning when you're doing it, you got to remember time of year, right? Because different things are happening behaviorally with these elk. And early season when you have that, you've got bulls that are still um, together in bachelor groups. You've got trying to... Um, you know, measure the pecking order between other bulls. You have bulls that, small bulls especially, that are out trying to gather up cows. And you have big bulls that are trying to stay in the wings of young bulls that have gathered up cows. So when any time you have that in that, in that type of year, you know, the type of scenario that you want to put on is something that matches what's going on in that time of year. Now, 
or sign that you've seen. Uh, Joe, can, yeah. I, can I throw something in real quick? Yeah. You know, I, I in my opinion, you should look at all of your approaches in terms of calling as a scenario as you're moving through, right? You're, you're painting that picture anytime. I mean, just as simple as lost calf. If you're, calf, if you're, right? if you're, I, if you're couch humming or doing a lost yeah, calf. Yeah, right? I mean, if I'm lost calf, right, that yeah. leads into what? Lost calf, maybe cow says, hey, mama's over here, back, back and over forth, here. right? Sure. So mm -hmm. I, if you, if you to too. envision the picture that you want to paint, and you start, you know, again, at that lost calf, and you just continue to paint that picture as you move through. So I think you should be looking at it as this is the scenario, right? No matter what call we're throwing out at any point. Not well, just then, that standard, well, you know, I'm going to set up and put on a scenario deal. Well, and I think a lot of us early in the morning when we get to the destination where we want to start hunting or, you know, we've gotten off our, our transportation and we're walked out in the woods a little ways and we you know, start seeing a little bit of sign. It may even be in that gray light condition where we throw a couple of soft cow calls out, right? And do we get a response, right? Or we don't get a response, we do a little location bugle, you know? And do we get a response? In, uh, in Trav's case, they night bugle to get a response. So they know exactly where that, and look, that bull don't go nowhere. He stays down in there and pretty close to where they found the night bugles. They dive right off in him in the morning and boom, you, you, I mean, I've never seen it work so well as it did in Canada. And, of course, I've never done it before, you know. Mm -hmm. But those guys <laughs> go out at midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, and, and, and they get a bugle, and, man, they, they're there the next morning, you know. And you go back and sleep for three or four hours, get up and get right back on him, you know. And it works it, because their elk are a lot more silent. I think a lot of it has yeah. to do with the predation that, that's around them. You got grizzly bears, black bears, and now wolves that are all over them. And the more talking they do, the more detrimental it is because the other predators know where they're at. You know? yeah. And I think elk, elk are creatures of their <clears throat> habitat, man. You know. And look but at for, Gil. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry to cut you off there. No. Look at the first three mornings you guys went in after you, you and Dylan went out and you night, night bugled and found that bull. You guys hunted that same bull for three three mornings yeah, in a row. Yeah, yeah. Same area. yeah, same exact area, like within 100 yards. Yeah. And you threw three different tactics at him each day. Yep. Got so him to respond really, every time. Yeah, yeah. And we I mean, should have killed him. The, the easiest day to kill him was the first day. Right, Hattie. Yeah, Hattie. And yeah, he knew the jig was up. Some something was going different, and then the wolves moved in on us. And I think that really, you know, sent him moving. But yeah, at the end of the day, we we put a lot of sand in there too. But um, I mean, those they're not stupid. Those creatures yeah. are not stupid. But uh, to answer your question, Manano, when when first thing in the morning when I'm moving through, I'm sounding like either a calf or a cow as I'm moving. You know, I want to sound always. like a small group. Um, you're on mute, buddy. You're on mute. I'm sorry. Not nothing aggressive, yo. No, I, right. I, no, I have spent mm -hmm. quite a amount of time lately uh, trying to show uh, my little kid Tomas mm -hmm. videos of uh, elk hunting, and I would say ninety-five percent of the videos, the elk they uh they bugle. You know, like nothing aggressive, nothing like like long high pitch. Yeah, that's a location. When they're doing a long high pitch like that, they're just saying, you know, where are you? They're just trying at? to locate other animals there, right? Here I am. 
and and that's one of the things that we're doing as, as well when we're going out and you know we always we cast calls so we're when we're moving we're always trying to sound like um when i'm going through i'm always a lover before i'm a fighter i'm always throwing out oh. collar calf calls when i'm doing <clears throat> you have to be careful when you're doing that man because yeah. animals they just like a good D-back, man, they peg where you're at and they come yeah. in and they start to cut you off. So you got to really... And they're really good at it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And then if if I do stop the call and get value out of my call, and what I'm talking about with that is to get value, I want to either cat, you know, cast it across a bowl, put it into a small type of canyon, maybe um, uh, bounce it off of a far wall, places where my sound is going to carry so I get the most value for that. And again, still non-aggressive. I'm just casting that out. So I start with my just general cow call with my mouth, one through my tube. And early season, that can also sound like a bull mew. Guys, bulls mew, just like cows mew, right? And mm. then I can throw out a location bugle. Now, just because I don't get a sound or a response doesn't mean that there wasn't a response or other elk didn't hear that and start moving towards me. So as I continue moving, doing the calls that yeah. I do, I'm working animals. I'm actually doing a scenario. I am a moving group of elk. That is a scenario. I'm painting that picture, right? So, um, but what I saw is, is that most people, when we tell them to do a scenario, they don't, they just don't know what a scenario is. They don't know when, where, and why, yeah. what you were asking, you know, Manano. They don't know, how, and a big part of it is they don't know how to set up, and then they don't know how to commit to the scenario. I, and that's a huge one. And I just went through a lot of things that they have trouble with. Um, but mm -hmm. to, to know what a scenario is, figure out the things that are going to attract other elk to you, that are going to bring them to you. A breeding sequence yeah. is an incredible attractive. I was yeah. going to add add to that, Joe. In that scenario, it has to make sense in terms of elk language, right? Sure. Um, if yeah. you if you throw out a locate bugle, and then um, immediately go into chuckles and introduce a cow mewing, and there's just there's so many things that can go wrong in it. So if you're not going through their their dialect say um correctly you can actually blow that up because something don't sound right to them they're out of there right something's funky when when the talk isn't the talk that they're used to so really watch those scenarios yeah. and understand <clears throat> that you know what you're what you're saying what you're asking for what you're responding or answering with and then how you move forward from all that and I'll tell you, man, one of those non-aggressive calls that I use, and I don't use it at the end of a location bugle, is a chuckle. I'll just do a light chuckle, um, and that's a, a great early season oh, yeah. call, just that chuckle by itself. Because yeah. it's non-aggressive, it's inviting, it lets them know where they are. You know, it's a low vocalization. Mm -hmm. So that's another one that, that we use out there. But again, It's been a game changer for us. But we're talking about individual calls when we do yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Scenario. We're and putting things together, together. different elk sounds, to make other elk think, "Oh, there's a party over there, or there's, there's a, a rut fest cows over there, or there's a herd bull with some cows." You want to paint those pictures to pull them to you. Elk want to be where yeah. other elk are, right? 
that's that's what I find with the scenarios. As soon as we get out of your rig and you're walking into where you're going hunting, you're wa- you're wa- you're watching the trails, you're watching the mud and all the mud puddles. If you're seeing all cow and calf tracks, obviously, hey, you should probably do like a cow party or something like that. Try to call those other cows over because the bulls are going to follow them. If you're only seeing bull tracks and you got two or three bulls walking together, which we saw a lot in the early season, um, that's a whole different scenario that you got to, you know, you'd probably go in and maybe do an advertising sequence, try to call some of those bulls over. They're going to think you got cows. So you got to kind of think of what tracks you're seeing and that'll lead you into what scenario you need to go into. So, and then like Joe said earlier, the breeding sequence, you can never go wrong with that. And it doesn't matter if it's end of August, middle of September or into October, you know, they're breeding the funny, all the through. funnest sequence you could put on. Oh yeah. The breeding sequence. Oh, oh man, so much fun to do. So much fun. Yep. And it's yep. work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's have, that's out that's out calling. Yeah. You, you just have to know the rules of the game when it's something like that. So when you're yep. hearing multiple bulls bugling in one area, multiple bulls mean that there's a hot cow. That's the only reason there's multiple bulls yeah. in there because they're they're smelling a pheromone and they're all trying to get their get lined up for what's going on there, right? They all want to be a part. Yeah. Of them. So you, if you just learn the different rules that are happening, what a cow, the sounds that she's making, you know, when would you use a calf? You know, would you use that as you're approaching a bull with the herd rather than a a mature cow sound so that you don't get a cow that blows you out? Are you going to try to call that if it is a herd bull and he's real difficult to pull away from his cows, what can you use to pull the cows to you instead mm-hmm. of trying to deal with that bull? So you do a scenario to deal with yeah. cows, right? So Yeah, yeah. This Yo, I don't know how yeah, to do I mean, that. I don't know how to feel like a cow, man. I'm a, I'm a strong man. Yeah, I don't know much either, Fair but I do know how to make those sounds. Rainbows you know? and stuff. No, <laughs> no, Joe. I do know how to make those sounds, and Joe's 100 percent right. You know, I was on a rifle hunt recently, and I needed to pull cows to me. And uh, knowing what I know about their maternal instincts, I actually got the lead cow to come over 700 yards to me and she brought the whole herd with her just by understanding what a lost calf insistent lost calf sounds like and when she heard that it was like a herd stampede coming down the mountain come find that lost calf that's abandoned and my hunter I needed him to go another hundred yards for us to harvest this big bull, but Hill. he he got hung up by a fence line. And our hunter, he was very patient, man. But he he got to see something he's never seen before. You how know? Lo- how long did it take a, them to come? Not long, oh, man. They ran seconds. Down. Yeah, thirty-five seconds to cover. Yeah, that, you know, fifty had seconds had to had cover that. Open already. Yards, now, if it was yeah. trees where they had to worry about predators or something but it's open yeah. where they could see so man they're just oh yeah and I, I even had a decoy on the other side of the fence line about 150 yards maybe i should have put it a little further but we we're running out of light and running out of time and um i i did what i did and i even text joe i'm like 
Joe, I got nothing to lose. If I And I was in such a small piece of cover. I said, look, as soon as I say anything, they're going to know that something's there, right? Yeah. And there is nothing around me other than this small piece of cover. So for me, sounding like a bull was never going to – there was multiple bulls. There were probably six or seven bulls in that herd. And that was not going to be the ticket. What I wanted was to bring the bulls to me for sure. And I yeah. knew if I brought the cows to me, they were going to be in tow, you know. And uh, once I hit that lost, ca- I mean, the first sound I made with the lost calf call, it, I, <laughs> our hunter picked his, he, he looked up, he goes, oh my God, they're looking. I said, all right, keep, keep on them. Keep do keep, it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I mean, uh-huh. dude, they, he goes, they're running. <laughs> I said, oh, that's so cool, dude. It was literally, I wish I'd have had a video videographer with me because it was so cool, man. Um, I was blowing the sugar too, man. So it was loud and yeah. obnoxious man, I, and, and sounded nice. so good. But the whole herd came over 700 yards, you know. So wow. unbelievable. Manano wow. t- Another thing I want to throw out there, man, is when you're going to do a scenario, you want to actually think about the instincts of those animals that you're trying to deal with. Are are you trying to pull them because of their maternal instinct, because of their being protective? Bulls are being protective. Is it because of their breeding instincts? Is it because of their curiosity? Is it because that they're wanting to buddy buddy you know because of the pecking order they're trying to set up so you're trying to actually do something that is going to um deal with, them. yeah that's going to actually bring them because they are you know you're dealing with those instincts that drive them to right. come to you right so yeah. when, right. and i think some bulls are like people joe i think they just some of them are very non-confrontational curious. You know, and they don't want that. They would rather move off with another bull and go find some other cows where they don't have to hassle getting their tail whipped. You know, oh. I just think some of them are like that. But uh, we've seen it you, before. Let me ask you a question, guys, because this season I remember Mr. Ed, uh, he talked about the, uh, we were speaking Spanish and in the elk, were, they were speaking English. So they, he, he mentioned something about the language. You have to speak the language. They sure. understand their language. I, I mean, he was more specific about it, but uh, you have to mimic their sound. He he was talking about the, you know, for example, the Canadian accent and then the Southern accent. They 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 understand that. You have to be like the dialect. accurate. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think a lot of it is not so much like attaching words to it is more attaching the emotions to it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, are, is it, is it just a general talking type sound? Is it a pleading type sound? Mm-hmm. Is it a requesting or a demanding sound? Is it an angry sound? All of these types of emotions are dealt with, with how you're trying to deal with either, you know, internal <laughs> instinct, right? Yeah. If I'm, if I'm doing a yeah. calf, if I just did a cow, a, a calf chirp, well, they know that yeah. there's a calf over there. But if I'm doing a lost calf, you know, yeah. that's just like if you were at the mall with your wife and you heard a baby talking over there. It's like, oh, how cute it's a baby. But if you heard a baby screaming, every mother in the place is going over there. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, in my case, I go like uh, Charlie Brown mode, like, turn it off. <laughs> 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 
Charlie Brown mode. <laughs> I got two little kids. They cry all, all day long. So, <laughs> so, so with, with that said, guys, what I see a lot of times is that a lot of guys, when they're doing that, they're not matching their strategies right. to the behaviors for that time of the year, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of, yeah. I think Guy talked about this, like, um, on one of the other ones, you talked about, well, you did a cow call and, and you got a bull that came in that responded to that, right? And he's kind of just, um, you know, given that, okay, I'm over here type thing. And he's responding to the cow. And then all of a sudden, what what do, what do a lot of guys do as soon as they get the response? Yeah, they scream at it, right? For what? And, yeah. And that bull's not there scared yet. Scared the hell out right? of and, and And quite honestly, sometimes you're not going to get it right, right? You got to dip your toe in the water and you can always regroup, re-strategize on the fly, right? You you have to dip your toe in the water. So don't go out so scared that you don't want to make a peep. Oh, I didn't sound, I didn't make any sounds or I don't have any sign. I don't want to make sounds. You got to dip your toe in the water. But I, I think I, I overcall. I, I really do at, at times. I, I get so in love with the call. Who doesn't? Yeah, I, I think we just over. When I listened and I watched those that herd of elk, very rarely did they go five or six minutes without having some vocalization, right? But yeah. it was a it was a break in that vocalization. A and I'm talking about 35 head of elk. It was not a lot of talking going on, and well, they, about every five minutes, somebody would go, "Hey, hey, where, where, where?" Right? They can see each other. What's the dynamic? Yeah. Yeah. What's the what's the body language that yeah. they're reading that we don't? Right. Excuse me, that we don't have yeah. a part in. Right. Joe's right. So, they could see each other. They weren't in the yeah. trees. Any herd you know? animal, right? Yeah. Cattle and horses yeah. and whatnot. They they right. communicate the same way. Sure. Yeah. As long as there's a visual. So remember, it's visual first. It's auditory second, and it's uh, and then it's smell is last, right? That's an emotion, that's man. Yeah, I, I think a lot of us miss the mark with the emotion part. Right? Yeah, we get yeah. mundane and sound like one cow. Then you ain't yeah, yeah. having fun with it, right, right? Right. If you're not putting emotion into it, in my opinion, <laughs> no. you ain't, you ain't out there having scenarios, fun. man. That's the if you and look, I, and I'd, I hardly ever do this, but if you want to learn about scenarios, you can go to our base camp um yes. take our base camp course we talk about all the different palettes all the different calls all the different types of sequences and how to put them together right so that's just a, a way to do that www.elkbros.com <laughs> <laughs> man go yep. check it out because Shameless. it's going to help you man once you understand what a scenario is and we talk about yeah. different times of year we talk about different modes of the animal because when you get a bull, you got to understand what mode that bull's in. You know, when yeah, we got there to yeah. Canada, man, it was just pretty much, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. that was it, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you you have to, no matter what scenario you're doing, you got to start slow and work your way into it. If you start yeah. at the very top, you yeah. have nowhere to go. Yeah. But if yeah. you if you work into it, you feel his emotion, and then let it fly from there. And then that, you know, that's the basis of it. 
you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our base camp elk hunting training camp. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S.com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. And I'll even tell you this, like, just to give you an idea. So let's say that I'm doing some, like a little cow um, party type scenario, just a, a group of cows, right? And and I get a bull that responds and all of a sudden that bull starts calling me, trying to demand for me to come to him. It's a shorter type bugle where he's saying, come over here. And if I don't do that, then he's kind of like, well, why isn't that happening, right? Sometimes I might have to give him a reason. I might have to introduce a bull. But one thing I don't want sure. to do is go ahead and introduce this big old bugle to do that that is going to tell him, oh, he told me stay away and I'm doing that. I don't want my butt kicked. I can do it, I yeah. can do it with sounds that aren't going to identify my size. I can use raking. I can use panting. I can use little moaning inside there, right? Um hmm these are yep. the, even a chuckle, you know, it does not oh, yeah. let them know how big I am. Right. Or recognize. Yep. So, you know, Joe, when you, when you called that bull in for me a few years back, I think it was 2020 or 2019, you called that bull from over a half a mile and that bull, we never did anything other than lost cow call in a few calf and cow sounds. And it was you and I on the, on the, on the tube and i don't think you ever bugled at that bull one time there was there was actually earlier i did because i made it sound like a herd moving away and then yeah. we came back with the lost cow call so we did like a cow pickle type thing you, exactly and that bull actually we were quitting him. we were fixing to give up and get out of there and i said me i said joe i hear that bull down there I said, I can hear him walking in or flopping in the mud or something. I said, get after him one more time. And he did one more lost cow call and that bull erupted. And I said, he's getting closer. And Joe goes, hmm, well, maybe we'll stick around and see what happens here. It's worth Dude, it. Yeah. I mean, called him in on a string. All he had to do was lost cow call at him after that. And, you know, that bull came up and that's the famous hey, seven, Papa eight Hill. minute stand. Yeah, he came up a, over a barricade, over a, a barricade, jumped a fence. Yeah, jumped a fence, <laughs> come come out of his wallow, come jumped a fence, and come up the mountain. What four hundred yards, Joe? Three hundred yards up that mountain, and came all the way up. And then we had the eight minute standoff with him frontal, you know, and uh, it was unnerving. And, and I want to talk to about men. the standoff. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, Joe. Sorry. Go ahead. So the standoff that he's talking about and why that occurred, because we had a bull that was responding, coming to us the whole time, but he's down below us. He can't see anything. He's just going to another elk. 
as soon as he came up that hill, and you should see the video, man, as soon as his head gets up high enough over there to where he can see into that area where he should be seeing another elk, he stops and he scans. He's looking for that bull. He does not see, uh, he does not, I'm sorry for that cow. He does not see that cow. So what's the next thing that he does? He bugles. You can see all of this on video, right? And so it's funny. He looks, doesn't see it. He calls, doesn't see it. You see him raising his nose. He went through every, every every sense right in front of us. And then when he didn't, he comes up over closer. But before he comes in, he stops again so that he can scan, man. That was his stop and scan spot that he knew he should be seeing another cow elk. Yeah, and then he grunted and kind of halfway chuckled, and that's when he was like, "Man, I ain't seeing come really to what me. I want saying, to." You know, come on, yeah. I'm inviting you. I'm not really seeing what I want, and he's in our kitchen. I mean, he's 36 yards from us, yep. and a dead bull you know, already, and he doesn't know he, it. Yeah, and as soon as the bull acts like he wants to turn and walk away, Joe screams the bugle, and I draw, and I have to step out from that aspen, and we center punch him, and I mean. But again, dude, that was, it was nerve wracking because at any second, a gust from the gods ruins that, you know, because he's right there in our, I mean, he's, like I said, 37 yards and he's downhill, you know, thank God we've got, you know, the thermals on him and stuff like that. But man, I mean, it was, it was nerve wracking to having there staring a hole through us. Cause I mean, we're not, it's not like we're in great cover. We're standing next to Aspen trees, right? I mean, dead Aspen trees, dead Aspen burned. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like we're, and I don't resemble no Aspen tree. I'm pretty round (laughs) shape, you know, more like a trunk of a pondo, you know? (laughs) So yeah, a little burnt though, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So let, so let me ask you this. Sorry, Joe. Um, when you guys were about to give up on that bull, how long was that time frame until that last seven or eight minutes before he came up the ridge? Because that's going to tie right into Kevin's question earlier. How long do you wait after you do a call sequence and you don't have nothing coming? This is perfect for that. Well, w- w- the thing is we had multiple bulls bugling and they were bugling in distance. And it seemed okay. like it seemed like they were responding in distance and was going to stay at a distance moving. So we were okay. actually getting ready to start moving further in the direction that we felt that they were going when Gil goes, dude, I think that one's closer. And <laughs> okay. I was like, hmm. So, yeah. And that's just the experience of hearing them, you know, because Joe didn't hear him. He couldn't hear the low, the high okay. stuff Joe can hear pretty well. It's that yeah. low audible stuff that he was having trouble with. And what I heard more than anything was him kicking uh, logs, right, down there. And he was, what he was doing, he's wallowing. I mean, the bull was solid mud when he came over the, the ridge, right? And uh, yeah. he was worked up, you know, and he'd heard that cow up there pleading for somebody to come up there and give her what she needed. And man, at the end of the day, you know, he wasn't going to be denied. He came over that fence, like with the gusto of a hound dog. He didn't even think about stopping and checking up at that fence. I mean, over it, he went and I'm like, this is fixing to happen. This is, yeah. this is crazy. You know what, what and time he, of year was that Joe, just because you mentioned that to the listeners, right. Is understanding that time September, of year. Where you're it at was, it was probably around the 4th of September, 4th or 5th of September. Yeah. Early season. Oh, er- yeah. Pretty early. We yeah. had them popping off around us, man. The first three days, though, it wasn't like that. We had it a cow that came in heat. Yeah. And so 
the multiple yeah. bulls were just going nuts in that area, man. So yeah, um, w- what we did was since they had a cow in heat and because there were multiple bulls, we pulled one of those satellites off of there by giving him some lower hanging fruit. You know, yeah. we sounded cow, so. first of all like a herd that was moving up the ridge. And then I came back with the lost cow call. And when he heard that cow coming back from that other herd, it was like, hey, I got me a pickup here. So, yeah, <laughs> this is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Steve was, he was textbook, man. I I'm mean, having such a hard time focusing here, man. My wife is cooking banana bread downstairs. Oh, <laughs> man. Up here, man. And the nose knows. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so so that so Joe, that plays right into how to commit to a scenario. We were committed to that scenario because of the response that we got. Right. Right. Uh, And we almost quit the scenario because he quit playing. And until we heard him closer, then, you know, we we almost suspended the whole thing and got out of there. Uh, But we 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 probably spent, what, an hour? Go ahead. Because we were going to move because they were, it seemed like they were going in a different direction. But we probably played with him for over an hour. Probably, man. Doing that whole sequence that we did, trying to pull them up there. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, when you've got elk across a fence on the other side in a private or in another unit that you can't go to, your only option, you know, if you have yeah, that going, is do. doing something to pull them. And one of the things that I like to do is not sit there and call at them. What I like to do is create, create a scenario of a herd bull with a herd of cows and then have that herd move away from those other elk, taking them away. Um, and then that way, when you do that, you're not you're not going to have them just stay on the other side of the fence and scream and keep their distance. You know, you're going to pull some of those elk that are going to try to come with you in that direction because hardly any elk hunter out there ever calls and goes in the opposite direction. Hardly yeah. ever. Right. Mm-hmm. But elk do it all the time. The time. Oh so, my gosh. It's aggravating. In the reality, what we're trying to do, if I'm a herd bull, why am I going towards those other ones? I'm not going to bring my cows towards them other ones. I'm going to keep pushing them up the ridge and take them to bed, man. So let's go mm-hmm. push. And and yeah. that's what we did. And then came yeah, he gets back. The Once we heard that bull kind of coming, then you go back with that lost cow call, making that cow pickle. And yeah. and when I say cow pickle, guys, it's it's like in baseball. You know, you think about, you know, when you get a, a runner that's going on there that's running back and forth and you're throwing the ball trying to get them out, you know, where you're going yeah. forward and you're coming back, going forward and coming back. And that's, and that's what me and Joe there. were doing. You know, he, he his cow sounds a little bit different than I do. So it sounded like two or three cows, four cows going back and forth with one another that were hot, you know, because we'd whine a little bit and then get that lost cow call and he the lost cow call just drove that bull crazy, brought him up, you know, so that mm-hmm. was that trick at that time. So um, that's good on the, the calling section, you know, uh, because Guy, one of the other areas that we saw a lot of problematic things and failure points with people was in gear area. All right. I'm, I got to I gotta precede the gear area, right? Gear ain't going to help you kill an elk, right? It can help you do a lot of things. It ain't going to kill your damn elk. Um, gear that is recommended. It can, that it can keep you from killing an elk, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, in some instances, it absolutely can. Yeah. Right, and I'll we'll get into that a little bit. Um, 
and then gear that you haven't vetted out for your style of hunting, your area of hunting, time of year of hunting. Uh, maybe it come off of a recommendation and you just pull the trigger. Sorry, um, that that's a rough one too, right? So, you know, first and foremost, fit and function should be your priority um, for you. How does it work? How does it fit? Blah, 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 blah. Um, so that I got to, I got to lead with that stuff there. Right. I mean, it's, it's so easy to say, you know, damn good gear, damn good bugle, damn good, this damn good, that, and it, it don't mean this for everybody. Right. right. Me and Gil had a million conversations in camp and Gil's like, well, this works for me. And I'm like, yeah, that worked for me too, but that sucks. And he's like, I love it. It's the yeah. best. Right. Yeah. I, and, and that's fine. Right. It, it is, it is a subjective realm when we talk gear so yeah. that is the predecessor to the rest of it yeah and um, i think whatever works for you and you're successful with and you have confidence in man that's you need mm -hmm. to lean on that right mm -hmm. and then yeah. always look always look to get better i mean when guy recommends something to me i'm always gonna go look at check it i mean he's recommended boots for me and all kinds of, i mean he's a gear guru you know so you always want to go do something that's that's better for you or look to get better i mean it's the same thing with arrows and this that and the other i was man i was buying arrows off the shelf and screwing a broadhead on it and killing elk like crazy why do i need to go to a heavy arrows and all this other stuff well when you dive into it you start learning that you could get better and guys mm -hmm. like guy that are gear gurus that really test a lot of gear you need to put a lot of stock in what hit you know i put a lot of stock in what guy says i mean we give each other a lot of hard time but at the end of the day the guy's an amazing uh gear understand enthusiast right so we're i waste a lot of money that you don't have to <laughs> yeah yeah we let him guinea pig it, we let him guinea pig it first man yeah. but, i mean he's 100 right gear ain't gonna kill you out but it sure can keep you and joe's right he sure keep you from it man yeah because yeah, you got to be comfortable i'll just give you an example gators are a great piece of gear to have oh, man. you know crazy and good you, you put gear. gators are going to help you keep your feet dry keep the lower legs dry you know um but <laughs> you get a pair of gators that you're going through low brush and it's shh, shh, as it's doing that yeah. you know it's going to kill you man it's going to kill it you. needs to be the right kind yeah. it's not just not just the gators yeah. if you look at some of the materials that pants are made out of absolutely right oh i had God, a video yeah, of one of our hunters and i was behind him and <laughs> every step he took shower yeah yeah every step he took and i got a video because you know you tell people and they look at you like oh i didn't hear that so i took a video of it i'm like watch this and he looks like oh god i'm like yeah it's pretty loud man yeah um, very loud I, yeah I, you know if if you just remember what it is and what's critical to your success as far as you know trying to be as silent as possible trying to be as scent free as possible um you know, trying to get something that's not going to, that you haven't worked with, that's not going to get in your way on a draw, or it's not going to inhibit your shot on a rifle, or, you know, uh, you, you're not able to get your cheek on the butt of a rifle the same way because you're wearing a big old face, you know, uh, yeah. you know, cover yeah. on there, you know. I, I tell you what, Joe, me putting a face mask on, it alters the my feel of my mm -hmm. anchor. Absolutely right? So mm -hmm. you got to put that thing on and shoot with it religiously, man. Well, I said, I said fit and function, yes. right? Yes. And function does not mean 
in the garage, in the living room, right. in the man cave. Honey, right. how does this look on me? Yeah. Fit and function in the field means I took it out on rucks. I got on the mountain with it. I went and shot my bow. I shot my rifle with everything on. I mm -hmm. mean, yeah, some people, yeah. I, for me, there's a couple times a year where I'll go to the range and I'll look like a, a daggum fool, right? Because I am fully kitted at the range. The yeah. weight yeah. in your pack is going to determine... Your draw is going to determine or change your air, possibly change your anchor point. Yep. My bino harness, if I'm if we're talking rhino and I'm used to or uh, rifle and I'm used to running a bino harness, when I go to lay down prone, how is that going to affect me? If I got to get you know on my butt, pull the pack, drop my rifle on my pack and take a shot that way, how is that going to fit me? Right. So that's fit and function, not trying it on at Bass Pro or ordering it. You know off of amazon or go hunt or whatever it is oh, and my. thinking that that's going to serve you in the field um you have to practice the way you play yeah absolutely. joe joe is the number one guy telling you that i mean let him know you know uh what happened to you joe we we've got an awesome decoy from predator decoy and we'd never we, we hadn't I, practiced with it a much broke my own rule man i you know i i didn't know i was going to use it on a hunt and ended up in a situation where I had it there, and I was like, "Dude, this is a perfect plant, you know, place to try this." Bring in five bulls in there. I got them at twenty yards. Go to draw back, and because I hadn't drawn that way, and the way things were, and the way I drew it, it it spooked them first. But yeah. then I we stopped them. Actually, got a second opportunity that yeah. messed with me on the shot because I had not practice and knew how my sight window was going to look through on that shot going through it yeah <laughs> yeah and, and honestly oh go ahead gil sorry but yeah no i'll never forget he let the arrow fly and i mean there was a little aspen right next to the bull and to the left of him and the bull was actually facing to the left and boom, he center punches that aspen and i looked at him and i'm like what in the world was well, it and he was as surprised as i was yeah. like, what? It, you're i mean Different. you're used to you're used to a sight picture looking like this yes. now you're going to this it's yes. slightly offset to the left yes. or the right yes. so you're compensating on the fly for that you want to ruin a hunt then screw around and, and not test everything that you that you there have we go that, that's yeah. the bottom line because right. I, he didn't that bull's dumb came back after a week i called him back he was really dumb and, i yeah. didn't have any trouble that third time he did not have no trouble buddy <laughs> he said it he said it like a pro and that's so good he didn't go 15 feet after it was and i guarantee you i guarantee you joe was what just happened oh, split yes. second as he's knocking another arrow yeah. made the corrections oh, yeah. and went right that now that the gear malfunctions one thing but the ability to deal with the oh, malfunction yeah. in that amount of time and still get your oh, animal down and killed animal. right yeah. that comes from that fit and function testing and the the um the Familiar, familiarity that you have with your gear. Sorry, I, I brain fired yeah. there. I had some, we start talking gear and my head starts firing. But um, if, if the decoy didn't work so well and I hadn't had so much experience, then that's just a, blow, a blown opportunity. Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. So then three things I see wrong. The biggest three things I see wrong is three areas, if you will, okay? Uh, and I can go on for hours with this, and I'm not. So I, I got it narrowed down to a few things. Um, footwear, right? Well, we're Most thick. Most One, important, man. 
if not the most important thing if you are putting on miles is your footwear system right you can't have a pair of boots and a pair of haney socks and you know what i mean just yes. for me mediocre joe joe has done it joe ha listen joe's throwing his hands up but the but doctor, prescribed, the doctor prescribed boots this year because yes. of the problems with Probably joe's feet, feet right yeah. And, and and Joe is is a man's man, and he went out there and he just did it year after year. Yeah. Some of that is him That's being normal. All get up, right? But there is <laughs> there is no replacing there is no replacing a good good footwear system, a good pair of boots yeah. that fit your foot, not that came recommended off a of Mister right. Ig Hunter, and right. that's the reason right. you bought them. They fit your foot. Yep. A good sock, right? Very merino good. wool. Yes. Something merino wool blend. Um, I prefer a seamless a, a seamless toe sock is my preference, but the thickness of the sock um, has a play on the volume, right? Mm -hmm. So fit and function. I'm trying that boot on with the sock that I like before I buy the boot. And if I have the opportunity, I'm trying that sock and that boot on before I buy both of them together. Then when oh. you start talking insoles, some boots, I'll run them. My Salewas, I don't need an insole. I tried to run insoles in my Salewas this year, and I was just, I was like, man, these things are, throw them away. Oh, um, and, and, of and, and guy, they, they got to use them before going to the woods. I hadn't even got there, but you're so, 110% right. So that's right. where we should be, though. Instead of, like, giving them, you know, because the seminar on, on, on the gear, what were the failure points? Number one, what I'm hearing is they don't work their system. They, they don't work their system, right. right? They're grabbing any old pair of boots off the shelf, off of a recommendation. Oh, I saw this guy in them, and they're super tight on me. That my my feet are wide. This boot is narrow. My feet are narrow. This boot is wide. Right. The one one reoccurring thing is the amount of volume in the boot, right? That either they have or they don't have, and right. and either scenario there is going to lead to hot spots and blisters. Period. Yeah. Right. Um, so again, fit and function on that. It's fit and function, right? So yep. that that's really the bottom so line. Is no matter man. what you're going to do, make sure you use that ahead of time on that yes. gear, man. That's the biggest mistake <laughs> that's... we're seeing is people taking gear out without having experience with the Don't gear. wait to break yeah. your boots in, your your footwear system in the, on the hunt. And, and there's mm -hmm. some boots, man, you can put them on and you can walk miles and not feel a thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that just, mm -hmm. it happens to some folks and they love yeah. it. And then they change boots and they go man what happened this is the worst boot ever not necessarily um the worst boot ever but you didn't go through what you went through because you relied on that that previous experience so um there's the, there's the fit and the function is according to like whatever the gear is how it works within what you're doing like if you took boots for example one thing that i always did was i'd always take a sole and put it on something when i was deer hunting because i wanted something soft that wasn't going to be making Clunk. clunky sounds on rocks and different things like mm. that you know so you, you got to think about what you're doing you know a pack a pack is oh, a don't let me get in, going on the pack well in a, instead of talking about <laughs> packs, i'm just going to say again the function part of it right the mistakes i see is that a lot mm -hmm. of people get one on there and they haven't really shot with it and they're in clothes that when they go to draw makes a not even not even the noise that it makes right it's uncomfortable so now you put this pack on you got 40 pounds in it and, you and then you're drawing and you're you're leaning back or you know you're off camber and you got this weird ass angle that that's going on and then it's 
you got an animal down, right? You're, you're lucky you killed an animal and you're, you're ready to put them in your pack and pack it out. They can't, they don't even know how to do it. And you're sitting there in 70, 75, 80 degree weather in the beginning of September. And you're trying to figure out how to load the pack then. Then you how put do you it take on. it apart? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. then they take it apart trying to figure it out. And I can't put tab A yeah. labeled to tab A and tab B yeah. don't exist, right? So yeah. you, you're struggling. And now you, you've made a two-mile, three-mile, four-mile hike. Miserable. Because the, yeah. the, the gear can't function the way it was designed to function because you didn't worry about fit and function before you got to the mountain. Right. And you didn't carry it with weight ahead of time. And now... You're ending up with rub spots on your hips, your back, and you're trying to make those adjustments, which really makes for a long, miserable hike when you're stuffed. So mm -hmm. I, I think the main thing out of the gear that we're talking about here is ensuring that you are working with gear so that it fits and that you're ensuring that it functions within what you're doing so that you're able to shoot, so that you're able to move through brush, move through trees, so that it's not binding in certain ways, so it's not making you uncomfortable, so that it's not putting you in danger um, or putting you yeah. at an extreme um, situation where it just makes you miserable with wet feet or frozen feet or frozen toes sore and, shoulders yeah. sore yeah. hips yeah can i hit my last one jojo yes sir your sleeping system what it, whatever your sleeping system is run through Bring it right if you, if you, if you <laughs> are gonna sleep on the ground uh sleep on the ground right you got to understand how that feels um if you're gonna sleep in a hammock some folks get i don't know what it is about the mental aspect of the hammock but uh, again, fit and function. Go through it preseason, all of it, and just make sure that that's what you're comfortable with. Um, if you have somebody you can borrow it from, borrow it before you spend the money. Because a lot of what I saw was guys buying stuff, hadn't experienced it, hated it, but then had to use it just because they already spent the dollars on it, right? So yeah. if you can borrow it, borrow it. Just you know, yeah. out there spending money. Um, and, and hurting yourself in the long run. Sleep is as important, <clears throat> if not more important than your feet are on the mountains. So yeah, I'll go crazy on that stuff. But yeah, that's, that's the biggest in the gear is the fit and the function and folks just getting out there and testing it and making sure that that's the way it's going to go when they're on the mountain. And when we start getting into um, January, February and those things, those are things you know, that we want to really have discussions discussions about mm -hmm. different types of sleep yeah. systems, how to utilize those systems, what works, what doesn't work, um, or works for us and might not work for somebody else. I mean, just as little, littlest things of having a, a little fleece cover on your pillow so that your face isn't freezing at night. Just little things, you know, so. Hello. Take uh, a pillow and, back. And, <laughs> and a big, the, the big thing in that stuff as well is price, like, some people have to buy the basic stuff. Other people can buy mid-range. Other people can buy top-end stuff with everything, packs, boots, everything. You know, some people just can't do that. No, absolutely. Save your money. Save yeah. your money, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's all there is to it. Save your money. Yeah. But, but I'm going to tell you this. If it comes down to it, make sure you buy a tag. And then you might have to learn some things, and you might have to go through some uncomfortable days. <laughs> to be able to yeah. do some of this hunting until yeah. you get there. And and all that's going to do is it's going to make it, it's going to make you appreciate it more when you can get that one little item that makes you more comfortable. Because I yeah. tell you what, I hunted yeah. 
miserable for year after year after year and did not have the funds to be able to do those other things because I needed to pay for tags. I needed to pay for arrows and broadheads or I wasn't killing anything. So, you know, what we're telling you is things, if you listen though, it doesn't matter what the cost of that gear is because you can find some great gear on sale you can yeah. find them used and, used yeah Guy, but, guys are always upgrading no matter but, what absolutely Shit, i'm always good upgrading. i got happen. like seven or eight bins of stuff so. <laughs> I, I, i'm looking up. at i'm looking at four packs right in front of me i'm going man like you know sell and them he's, <laughs> he's going to he's going to be using one of those in a giveaway on a very soon elk <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's a perfect point though right joe is is you know if you have to if you have to if you want a backcountry hunt and you can't afford to get what you want then base camp hunt and go get a, a cheapy old pack frame for 99 dollars at dick sporting goods and use that and figure it out put a dry bag yeah. on that yeah. sucker I mean, if there's a will, there's a way, right? So we're not saying don't go do it. If you can't, you know, spend the money, you know, figure, figure it out, but there's ways to get around it. But gear is, gear is huge, but ain't killing it. And that's exactly, that's the greatest point that, that, and the greatest thing I would drive home. If there's a will, there's a way. And you, you know, there's a, like he said, there's a lot of people that have upgraded. You don't have to have the latest and greatest. There's incredible stuff out there that you can buy used and get great deals and do things that without having the new bow, the newest boot, the newest, whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, and honestly, it's not a bad place to start, right? If, if somebody has, you know, their full camo set up from Sitka or something that they're selling, Hey man, why are you selling it? What did you like? What's wrong with this, right? I mean, that's almost better than going to a retail outfit who yeah. they're paid to tell you that it's the greatest thing alive, you know? Yeah. And question, it's not a bad place to start. No, and, and <clears throat> if you find a good friend, a lot of them have extra gear they never use. So, you know, um, get out there and, and, and find it. The, the last area that I wanted to hit before we get out of here had to do with hunt strategies because – I just see so many things, and what, and and I'm not talking about whether you stalk or whether you call or anything like that. It's about some of the processes or the strategies that people use or how they think. And I find that, and I'm just going to put it out there, y'all. Man, too many people are looking for the easy button. You know, um, they're they're wanting to hunt the easiest country. They want the closest walking. They want to do more waiting, less working. They want to hunt prime time morning, prime time evening, and that's about it. So, um, and if if that's not happening in those times, then they're lost. And I just see too much of that. It's like, you know, well, you know, I, I want to make sure that uh, you know I'm going to get up and and I don't you know I want to get out there when the sun's up. I don't want to get up there an hour or two hours earlier, and I don't want to hike out there four miles if I don't have to. You know, and and they will literally find justifications to not to. You know, yeah, well, I heard a bull in this area, right? Some of them are legitimately scared of that low light condition, man. Absolutely. It's just part of their mm-hmm. fears that they have. You know, yep. so. Or, or they're scared of having to hike back all the way back to camp from where they're at, right? Sure, you sure. know, uh, or getting left out there in the dark and coming back to camp at, at a time. Camp, camp is in the dark, just like the rest of the woods are in the dark. Uh, <laughs> it's but, at the well, same goddamn time. But for <laughs> yeah, but for a lot of guys, man, that camp is like it's security. 
Right. I understand that, but my point is it's a false sense of security. It is. Because right. whether you're whether you're a mile deep or it you're it's a real feeling that a lot of guys have. Yeah, but it's you're mm -hmm. in the same place. I agree. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? I'm not one that's going to shirk away from the dark. I mean, the same things that can get you in the light can get you in the dark. It's, there's no difference. Uh, the the only ability is up here, right? And it's that yeah. mental fortitude that you got to have <clears throat> and you got to be able to push through. And You don't you know, do it, you'll never get past it. 100%. Yeah. The, the funny, feel the fear the funny, and do it anyway. You know? Yeah. The funny part is people think, like, we got the grizzly bears up here. They move at lunchtime. Like, most of the bears you see are from 11 till 1 o'clock. Because they figured and, out when we're sitting on our butts eating lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easy pickings off a log. It's so oh, funny. Oh. I, you, you watch game cameras, and that's that's when you see them, right? So Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were, what, 1030, Trav, and we we're trekking through a little area, and I looked down, and I'm yeah. like, my yeah. God, what is that? Yeah. And yeah. Trav's like, oh, that's that's bear. And I'm like, yeah. That is a giant bear. And oh, my he, he didn't say anything because he didn't want to alert his wife to a lot. So we yeah. kept rolling through there. And then he turns around to me and he screaming. goes, hey, bro, uh, that's a grizzly bear. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, we're going the other direction. Yeah. And it was fresh that. steaming, dude. I mean, it was fresh, bro. I'm yeah. like, I said, let's go, Trav. I ain't even wanting to mess with no grizzly bear. I just want to tell people, though, man, if you're, if you're picking the easy button, so are so many other people. So no I hear a lot of people talking about, well, I'm in the same place with all these other people and stuff like that. Well, you know, it, away from it's a lot easier to walk downhill and walk on level ground than it is to walk uphill and, and have to climb stuff. Right. So that's where people are going to go, what they're going to do. They're going to, they're going to go wait at water, even though I really think that is one of the biggest burns of time myself. Um, they're going to on the edges of parks, which is a huge burn. You know, if I'm rifle hunting, it's a different story. Yeah. If I'm <laughs> archery hunting, I mean, that is just a, a waste. Uh, you, yeah, you can see an elk. You might see one, but you're not going to kill it. So, you know, How many bad pack outs have we had, boys? I mean, we were in some really rough places. It took a long time to get in there, and it was hell getting out. Huh, but there's, there's value in that statement, right? Definitely. I mean, you just dropped some pearls for folks that want to go get into elk. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you said it over and I, I would be curious to know how many folks that are listening that listen to all the episodes, yeah. pick that up whenever Gil talks about them gnarly hikes and those gnarly pack outs. Yeah. That, that's a we ton never of had, information. We never had an easy one. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had a bunch yeah. of, I've, I've been yeah. able to drive the four wheeler within a hundred yards several times, man, because uh, a lot of people don't think that you can kill elk near two tracks, man. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just telling you, yeah. case. So yeah. I've, had, are, but... I've had a lot of few easy, I've had some easy ones in my life. My big bull wasn't problem. too bad. It wasn't too bad. We were closer to a two track uh, there, but we still had to, we still had to get in there to him. It was a, it was a, yeah. uh, a chore other, getting to him. The other strategy I want to talk about that I think a lot of people get burnt on is the morning chase and the evening sun race. Sun. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so many times people get out a little bit late, they hear a bull bugle and 
then that bull, you know, they, they start moving in on that bull and that bull goes another 300 yards away. And then that bull, you know, they move in and they're moving right in behind that animal each time, trying to get up on it. And then it's another 300 yards and they move up and it's another 300 yards. So they're in that chase. And what gets me is a lot of times they give up on that chase right when those those animals are actually getting to a bedding area. and. They, they are in trouble following right up the rear end of them. They need to change that strategy. They need to get off to the parallel on them, you know, when they do that. But a lot of times they do that and it's like, oh, he's just running away from me. They're not running away. They're going. It's hard to kill an elk that's not in a destination. When they're, when they're traveling to a destination, it's hard to stop them unless you are at that destination. Yeah. It took me, it took me two years to figure that out. Yeah. Right. And and when I figured it out, I'm like, oh, it's like trying to stop a car on the freeway <laughs> on a dime that's going a hundred miles an hour. Exactly. Right. I mean, it is, it is one Great of the analogy. most difficult things you'll ever do. Mm-hmm. And one of the most difficult lessons you'll ever learn because it's so obvious once you figure it out, you but when you're, out. when you're not paying attention to it. It's like, what the hell am I doing wrong? Why can't I get these animals to me? It's like, well, because they're 100 miles an hour on the freeway, buddy. You know? mm-hmm. and, and it I wasn't would, until... And... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. I was going to say, it wasn't until I actually stopped the bull that was following his cows. And I'm like, and he just stopped. He turned and looked, right? And then waited a few bits and then turned and just went off after them. And I go, oh, that's it there, right? He's going from A to B. And I'm mm-hmm. sitting in the middle of A to B somewhere on that path, and I didn't cut them off. They're not coming. You got to get if you're going to hunt them transition. You got to you're going to have to be in front of them. Yeah. And and that's both in the morning. You can hunt that transition in the evening yeah. a lot evening, better yeah. than you can you can in the morning. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, for and for me, I'd rather call a bull to me than go try to run him down. I mean, it's just yeah. It's just. The, the chances of you getting him interested when he's mm. at a destination already, you have a much easier time of calling him out of that destination or sure. get him to at least keep sounding off where you can go in there and put the Mohican sneaking on him and get in there and put a shiv in him. But if he's on his way to a destination with cows and everything, dude, like Guy said, it's like stopping yeah. rush hour traffic here yeah. in Houston, man. It ain't happening, dude. They will, they will sound off. That's one thing yes. I know is as as they're in transition, if they're talking, they'll yeah. talk to you all the way to destination. Again, because they're trying to make sure they can't see each other. They're in the timber. They're trying to let those cows know where they're yeah. at. You know they're keeping track of them, so they're it going. It can be to miles in that destination, yeah. though, guy. It can now, be that's, miles. Yeah, that's let's where you a, can move your focus from that herd bull to the satellite bulls satellite. that are going to be trailing up that whole herd. Yep. Boom! You, you know what's interesting? Right you said that, Travis, and and this year, you know what I saw was the was the herd bull keeping everyone, including the satellites, out in front. If the, there was two instances, two different herd bulls. One had one, one had three, and he made sure that he had them out in front of the herd. And wow. they kind of outskirt, you know, here's the herd, and they're, they're where's my camera? And they're kind of up in here, and they'd wait, and he'd just stay up behind, and they got to a certain distance, and there was a couple times where he, you know, got a little pissed and um, yelled at them, and they'd scamper up. But it was always out front this year. It was interesting. 
But, yeah, but I actually, yeah. what you're talking about, Trav, I actually experienced where a herd bull, the cows came through first. Here came the herd bull tra- trailing them. And then in the jet stream, here came another, you know, saddle that's just following yeah. them up as they're going. Right. So that, yeah, that. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I also wanted to talk about was and take down the other side is the evening sun race, because a lot of people do just the opposite. They're actually wait at a destination till they start to hear that animal and they're not in good enough position when they hear it, that now they're racing the sun to try to get to them. And that's where I think actually, if you, if you could be on their original bedding area where they were Mm -hmm. at or in transition between that bedding area, they move a whole lot slower when they come out of bedding area and they're moving. Yeah. You know, until they want to they just run down, down to water or to a field or yeah. something like that, right? They only you ha- feed you ha- slowly down. Yeah, you have to just take note in the morning when you're f- trying to follow them up in, get in that spot because they're coming back down, right? So just be there. Within like 100 yards cut- sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Don't go back to camp for lunch. Just have a nap right there, eat your sandwiches and your snacks and, yeah. and wait. Yeah, I mean, you're out there anyways. It's probably... By the time you're following those elk, it's probably ten or eleven in the morning, anyways. That's you only got to wait. Call them out of a bed and kill them too. Yeah, that's, especially that, if you can get exactly. him answering you and talking. Yep. Well, that yep. goes to the whole point, right? What Trav just said: stay out in the field, yep. right? Because I yep. mean, man, how many dudes are sitting in camp at that? You know, ten o'clock. All oh, let's go back to camp, boys. Okay, it's yep. uh, two thirty. Let's yeah. get back out there. If it's the middle of September, you better, you got to just stay out there. I mean, early season, if it's plus 30, yeah, maybe go back to camp. But middle of September and they're bugling, you, you're you killing yourself to go back. And I, I think the, uh, the last thing that I wanted to say that I see a lot of people doing is, is they've had a spot where they called in a bull maybe on day one. And because they called a bull in at that spot, they spend the next four days going back to that same spot. You know? <laughs> Bulls mm-hmm. are gone, yeah. yeah. I mean, they just keep going to that same well time and time again, thinking that that same thing that happened before is going to happen now. And there could have been yeah. a lot of things why it didn't happen in the first place. Either that bull smelled them, either that bull busted them. But, uh, and especially that time of year when the rut, those bulls are moving so much around don't think that you're going to now if you got cows coming into the same area you know then that's a well you can dip in a little bit but just yeah. called in a bull there don't think you're going to do it over and over again. In, in something we learned in canada too the agriculture makes a big difference as well how their yeah. movement is you know they're going to yeah. be around that feed man they're slaves to their bellies and as long as the cows are around there, they're going to be there. You know, as long as you yep. don't blow them up out of there or some bears or wolves don't come in there and run them out. I mean, you got a shot, you know, but those yeah. agriculture places, man, they hold a lot of elk, you know, and and they switch it up too. It's just like, yes, we don't eat macaroni and cheese every day. Yeah. And then we go, yeah. then we go to a burger and then we get to a steak. The elk right. are the same, you know, they'll eat something for a day or two and then they move to something else. Yep. Eat yeah, they're not going to eat little themselves bit. out of house and home. Absolutely. Yeah, they, no. yeah, and I they'll think they just range. have a, yeah, they got a taste, and they would just get sick of it after a while, and yep. you know, the, let's get the butterscotch pudding instead of the, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other thing is, man, predators, you know, if they're going to be that predictable, right. so right. they make change up they just a, move. 
Yeah, just oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I never have heard wolves in the wild howl like that. And when uh, Dylan looked at me and he said, you hear that? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I hear coyotes all the time. He goes, oh, no, that ain't no coyote. No, no. <laughs> he goes, that ain't Different no coyote, coyote, brother. He said, I said, well, man, I thought they'd be like, and then they started going together. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He said. Different. <laughs> he goes, and, uh, dude, they're awful close. I said, yeah, man, we probably ought to keep moving. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you said that, big O. He's like, man, I didn't want to stick around. And they just kept getting closer and closer, man. The more the more elk sounds we made, the closer, closer they, they got. Yeah. yeah. Pretty wild, man. Pretty hey guys, wild. man. I, I just Trav, man, it's so been so awesome having you back with us this evening. Yeah. You bet, buddy. Don't Thanks, be a stranger, Thanks for having buddy. us. A pleasure yeah. to have you. Good to see your mug, man, and all you guys. I, I want to thank you guys all, everybody, and even the people that aren't here that contributed so much to this series. I think it's been a dynamite series. I think it's always good to reflect on things that you see, do, hear, um, uh, especially yourself or other people to help those people out there. And I, I think this has been just a dynamite. So uh, I want to wish each and every one of you um, a very Merry Christmas, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in the Happy New Year's and uh, looking forward to 2024, y'all. Likewise. Let them know where we're going to be starting out in, in 2024, Joe. Yeah, so January 11th through the 14th, we will be at the Denver um, Convention Center for the International Sportsman's Expo. Um, I'll be doing a couple of seminars. We'll have the booth set up. We're going to be recording some podcasts. Duplanche, you going to be there? I'm planning to be, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Gil's going to be in the house. Gil's going to be there, man. We're going to be able to see some of the bros. I'm going to be yanking on Chav and RC getting their butts over there. We're looking forward to seeing all of y'all folks in Colorado that have been following us and been listening to us and we're looking forward to shaking your hand saying hello yes. meeting people um bring your calls bring your tube i'll try to sell you a new one <laughs> but yeah, come yeah don't out come here. by the booth if you ain't ready to buy something big old strap it on. hey joe can i uh can i drop a drop a plug real quick if you don't Absolutely, mind boss. so everybody western hunt fest 2024 is going to be off the richters right i mean it's going to be the best 3d shoot you've ever been to right with the seminars with the pack out challenge with the sprint challenge the elk calling comp um we got events in colorado reno nevada um new mexico so you'll see us in raton we'll be at the air force academy in colorado cameo in colorado uh silver arrow bowman in uh reno nevada and then we'll be coming back this year we changed our point system so we're going to have a championship we're going to take all our competitions the sprint challenge the elk calling comp uh your archery shoot and the infamous pack out challenge we're going to combine those scores and then we're going to invite a handful of of folks you know men and women to come and compete in bailey colorado at our uh at our original venue um to wrap up the season and give one heck of a prize package away so, so there's going to be uh, winners at each 
competition at each shoot and then there's going to be an overall competition correct there's going to yeah we're going to bring it all together and that person's just going to i mean you want to talk about a prize package you ain't never seen a prize package like that uh, where can the listeners shoot. go to get dates for that brother uh jump on uh westernhuntfest.com you could hit us on instagram at western hunt fest you could reach out to myself at western contours reach out to my partner Ephraim. Uh, over at Pack Em Out Apparel, and then Jeffrey's the one kind of running uh, the Western Hunt Fest Instagram. So all three of us cool. are always available. Reach out to Joe, reach out to Gil, Manano, Travis. If you got any Canadians that want to come down sure. and okay. take a whooping, y'all come down and join us. And Trav, you're more than welcome, man, to come down if you'd like to spend yeah. a weekend shooting and, and throw elk calling seminar and and you know uh, get whopping. Elk pros will be here. at a few of those as well. I'm looking yeah. forward to doing seminars. I love the events, what, where this has come from. And, and guy, I'm so glad to see you joining up with, uh, Efren and, and Jeffrey and, and making this and taking this just to the next level, because it is such a cool event. Yeah. We're going to, this event's going to change the way you prepare for season. Absolutely. We, That's cool. we are the awesome. litmus test for season. So very cool. Well, in yeah. 2024 is going to be a, a a year to remember, guy. I, I just feel it, you know it's going to be an epic year. Uh, a lot of growth on y'all's side, Trav's side, our side as well. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, and you know these podcasts that we're doing has been awesome all year long. Uh, I want to wish everybody a big Texas. Merry Christmas from uh, Big O and his family here. Uh, we're busy down here chasing white tails and wild hogs and having a good, great old time up here. Uh, I'm getting ready to spend some time with my kids in the woods. So uh, we're truly blessed to be able to do what we're doing. Uh, and we want to keep doing that. I know, Guy, you're really passionate about some of the some of the uh you know the conservation things that you're doing with howl and stuff like that so guys that want to get more involved in howl and whatnot please you know go to that site and, and help our brothers up out of the north to support them for you know a lot of legislator things that are coming up from colorado and new mexico stuff like that so we want to keep it wild up there and be able to keep using our resources and that takes all of us speaking up and having a voice so guy i know you're out front leading that charge too so whatever we can do to help on that front uh appreciate we're here to help it. you brother yep appreciate for sure it. yep and guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us. And be sure to include your name and where you're from to get in our drawing on the Spinner Winter Wheel. Uh, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And you can check out our, you know, we're outfitters now in New Mexico. You can check out our content on elkbrosadventures.com as well. Uh, and reminder, if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on the show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, husbands, kiss your wives, wives, kiss your husbands, hug your babies, keep your broad heads sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next year on Blue Collar Elk. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. God bless. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy Look at that. Monano went. Boom. Prospero onions to our brothers to the south. Uh, <laughs>
days are dragging by Nothing seems to go my way And I'm ready to say goodbye To all of this Garbage on TV I believe I'm better off In the mountains peacefully Where the leaves are green And the air is nice and dry Hit the forward button, man, it's almost time. Is it September yet? I'm all in. The flinging sticks in the high country, let the games begin. Is it September yet? My tank is full of gas. If you don't sign that leaf slip, boss man, I'm out of here. You're gonna kiss my ass. Is that September yet? Is that September yet? Summer goes fast. Yeah, fall is coming. We'll be here before you do it, man. While I'll be running and gunning. It's time to be savage, not average. When the old bull's screaming. The sun's coming over the ridge right now. All those canyons, they'll be singing. Is it September yet? I'm all in. Time to leave July behind me and make August a has been. Is it September yet? I can't take this pain no more. Bugle of bulls in the mountain air is what I'm living for. Is it September? Is it September yet? Oh Gonna take it all in every morning and night Play them big old bulls like an old hike tune When the shot is right You know I'm gonna send it Money in the bank shot You know I'm gonna spend it all at once I won't have no regrets Is that September? 